Global Crisis Bible Prophecy Health and Preparedness You're just in time. 11th Hour Dispatch Father in heaven, we want to surrender and submit ourselves to you. We know that the devil is a roaring lion trying to devour us in many ways, spiritually. Lord, we know that this area of Hollywood and advertising is an area that is trying to capture us. We want to be slaves to no man. We want to be servants of the Most High. Lord, we want to have our lives purified of anything that might be of the demonic realm. We want to have our lives fully devoted to you and to your service. Give us the strength and the courage to face this issue, to really take this on and follow whatever it is that you are asking us to do. In Jesus' name, amen. Welcome to 11th Hour Dispatch. My name is Todd Gardner, and if you're a regular listener to our broadcast, you've heard Scott speak passionately about his Media on the Brain DVD series, educating people on how the entertainment industry, and even our relationship with our cell phones, is reprogramming our brains in negative ways. Well, we're excited to bring you some excerpts from the Media on the Brain series in today's radio broadcast. Welcome to part two of the Media on the Brain seminar. By beholding, we become slaves to the high priests of a new religious order. The advertising industry does not necessarily have your best interest at heart, to put it mildly. They want to make you buy the products to fulfill the need that you have, the perceived need that you have. According to one advertiser in the book Youth Culture 101, we read, We've taken a page from Satan's book, says an advertising executive. We've taken a page from Satan's book. Find a point of weakness and lust in every man, woman, and child, and target that weakness to make them want to buy the product. Wow. Very clearly, the more media we are consuming, the more we are being advertised to, the more of this is that is happening. $10 billion a year is spent by the food industry. That's a million dollars an hour, every hour, all day, all night, all year. A million dollars an hour being spent advertising the food industry. And of course, how many of those... Advertisements are for healthy, whole food sources of nutrients. Richard Winter, in the excellent book, Still Bored in a Culture of Entertainment, says the following. What does the advertising industry do to you? Its endless commercials breed in you discontent with your house, your car, your body, your clothes. In old-fashioned biblical language, it inspires you to covet. It promises you satisfaction, peace, meaning, and happiness, but only if you get your needs met now. Children learn that they are the most important person in the universe, that impulses should not be denied, that pain should not be tolerated, and that the cure for any kind of pain is a product. They learn a weird mix of dissatisfaction and entitlement. With the message of ads, we are socializing children to be self-centered, impulsive, and addictive. And if you look, they're starting at the very youngest of children, Six-month-old babies now getting an imprint in their mind of unhealthy, sugar-laden soda pop. And then they get a little older and they learn how to count. And the learning process is associated with their favorite sugary, unhealthy foods. And even entertainment, their favorite characters on, on cartoon shows being showing up in all of the products that they so enjoy. 
But it's not just the advertisers. I want to transition in part two of the Media on the Brain seminar right now. I want to transition to also seeing that Hollywood is using very many of these same strategies and tactics. Let's go back to the topic of hypnotism. A professional hypnotist, Mark J. Ryan, who I referred to at the beginning of the seminar. He's a professional hypnotist of 23 years. Now, I don't share Mark J. Ryan with you because I'm on the same page with him on everything. I'm not. I don't believe in using hypnotism at all. In fact, I could tell you stories from my youth experience where friends of mine got into hypnotism. It became very demonic. Hypnotism is spiritualism. It's a very dangerous thing to open your mind up in that way. But nonetheless, he knows his craft. When I hear from a hypnotist what's happening in Hollywood, I know there's credibility there. Don't take everything he says here, a whole, swallowing it whole, but, but evaluate it. And you know that, that we get our healing from Jesus Christ, not from hypnotism. Let's see what's happening all throughout Hollywood. Number one, he said, they planted something within you in this movie that is going to germinate. Now, people who I've spoken to and have seen this movie, at that point, they go, what? What They planted? I don't even know them. Do I trust somebody to plant something in me hypnotically? All Hollywood studios are using these methods. All of them have people who are advising how to get into the subconscious mind. And then he said some of them are nefarious. Another thing he said was, they created an amnesia. They closed the loop when they took you out of that trance and they created this forgetting. I was speaking once to a group of people and there was a front row filled with college students who were all fired up about this information. They're going, wow, this is really fascinating. And they, they were looking at each other like, whoa, we've all seen this movie. They went to lunch, talked about that, and they tried to reconstruct the plot of that movie in their minds. And they, they could get bits and pieces of it, but they remembered that the... The, the, the whole film, the whole, the whole plot was kind of fuzzy to them. It was a little bit foggy. There was a forgetting. There was an amnesia. They didn't actually remember the experience that they had undergone. Even if you could recollect the actual plot, the facts, the hypnotic experience that you went through is something that you're not going to remember with your conscious mind. That's what he explained that they do when, they, when somebody comes off the stage in Las Vegas who's been hypnotized and they say, I wasn't hypnotized. Well, that's how hypnotized people talk. They all think they weren't hypnotized because when they bring you out of it, they don't let you remember the feeling of being hypnotized. Very, very important testimony from Mark J. Ryan to know what they are doing. It means something to me that he does not watch TV. He knows what they're doing, especially the advertisers. He says, I even know what they're doing and it still gets in there. These things are getting into our subconscious in a very serious way. Now, I want to share with you another man from many decades past, Bertrand Russell. He happened to be a British fellow, and he wrote a book called The Scientific Outlook, where he talked about how we, the elite, how we, the planners of society, can have a scientifically crafted society, a socially engineered country. He called it the scientific dictatorship. He said, we can have a dictatorship over the people in a way different than the communists do. They use, you know, force and secret police and all sorts of terrible things and the Nazis. He says, we can control our people through different methods than that. And his favorite method was the education system. He started by saying education should aim at destroying the free will. He says, after pupils leave school, they, should be, shall be, they will be incapable of thinking on their own, otherwise than what their schoolmasters would have thought for them. 
And he goes on and says, diet, injections, and injunctions will from a very early age, get the kids from the various early age, bring them on up with our injunctions, with our injections, with our diet that we give them, and we will produce the sort of character in the young that any serious criticism of the powers that be will be psychologically impossible for them. He says, we can get them to believe that snow is black. He says, it would be impossible for them, just like it's impossible for a herd of sheep to be able to rebel against the practice of eating sheep. And he says, we're going to use methods like the Jesuits use. Very interesting. Now, that was what he said about the education system. He goes on with an even more important statement for our purposes here today. He says, perhaps the most important of all modern agents of propaganda is the cinema. Now, remember everything he just said about education. He says, cinema is perhaps the most important of them all. It leads to almost worldwide uniformity. The great majority of young people in almost all civilized countries derive their ideas of love, of honor, of the way to make money, and the importance of good clothes from the evening spent in seeing what Hollywood thinks is good for them. I doubt whether all the churches and schools combined have as much influence as the cinema on the opinions of the young. And he says this. This is where I got the subtitle for this presentation. The producers of Hollywood are the high priests of a new religion. They are the ones, the the, the producers of Hollywood are the ones that can get uniformity to happen, get everybody thinking in the way that we need them to think. He goes on and says, the result, the result of having everybody in this uniform way of thinking from the cinema is that any defects in the status quo become known only to those who are willing to spend their leisure time otherwise than in amusement. These are, of course, a small minority and are at most times negligible. There is, however, a certain instability about the whole system. In the event of unsuccessful war, it might break down. The system might break down. And the population, which had grown accustomed to amusement, might be driven by boredom into serious thought. (gasps) Oh, no! If our people start engaging in serious thought, then we won't have... Our system of control will have broke down. Isn't that interesting how they talk? They want us in constant amusement. This dates all the way back to the Roman Empire. You remember bread and circuses. Keep the people entertained. Keep the people fed. And they will be tamed. And they won't be rebelling against us. That's how we can keep control over the population. Amusement. Very interesting political message also echoed by Joseph Stalin. He said, if I could control the medium of the American motion picture... I would need nothing else to convert the entire world to communism. He knew the power of the cinema. He knew the power of Hollywood. He said, if I could have control over that, the whole world would be communist. Now let's look at some of these high priests of a new religion. Now before we actually take a look at some of them, I want to have a very important disclaimer. When I look at individuals and when I quote individuals in this seminar, our battle is not against them. Our battle is not against flesh and blood. Our battle is against the principalities and powers of this dark world. Now, I share quotations from people because they've gone public with their statements. They help us learn and understand what's happening in Hollywood. I don't share these quotations to go after these individuals. Children of God who may be in rebellion against God, but that doesn't mean that we need to have hate toward them or think that our battle is against them and we need to wage some sort of culture war and, and, and have a political battle over this. That's not what this seminar is about at all. This seminar is about what kind of choices are we making for our families. So enough said on that. Paul Schrader, a screenwriter, stated the following. We are there to thumb our nose at your values. We don't care if you like us. We don't like you. 
People think that Hollywood has principles, morals, and values. It doesn't. So I appreciate Paul Schrader's honesty. I appreciate that, that, you know, he told us at least what he's all about. We're thumbing our nose at your values. We don't like you. We don't have principles, morals, and values. Going on to others, David Putnam, a movie producer, said, Movies are powerful, good or bad. They tinker around inside your brain. They steal up on you in the darkness of the cinema to form or conform social attitudes. In short, cinema is propaganda. Couldn't have said it better myself. Cinema is propaganda. Kevin Smith, the filmmaker, also said this. I always like to think of it as like, I've got them sitting there. Whip a little message at them. Whip a little moral at them. Whip a little of what my view of the world is because that's what every good filmmaker does. Every good, every filmmaker who's risen to the level of Hollywood where we are watching their movies, they're the ones that are good, that are successful. They are whipping their message, their morals at us while we're under a induced trance. And if you think about what message is it? What is the moral message that they are whipping at us? They did a study in the University of Texas and found in 1998 that almost all Hollywood writers, actors, producers, and executives do not attend religious services. They found actually 2% attended religious services on a regular basis of some kind. And most of those are probably not your religion. 2% were religious at all. Now I should mention they are quite religious, but we'll talk about what religion that is in a minute. I want to share a Bible text with you though. This is a very, very important text from Colossians 2.8. See to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy. Where is the hollow and deceptive philosophy of this world today? It's being put out through the entertainment media, and we are called to not be taken captive by it, but rather we are to take every thought captive. Now that's not possible when I'm in an alpha trance, when I'm in a hypnotic state. I can't be thinking clearly and strongly in an active frontal lobe manner. I can't be taking every thought captive. I might think I am because I'm awake and conscious, but things are getting into the subconscious that I'm not having the moral filter up to discern and to filter out. Now, I mentioned that these people are very religious. What religion are they? I want to look at a few people from many decades past, and then we'll look at some more modern individuals. Rudolph Valentino, Mae West, and Marilyn Monroe. These three are the three, probably the three most important people in, in bursting the boundaries of everything that was considered sexually appropriate to be putting on the screen, displayed in American, in the, to the American public. They all were actors in their day, putting out films that were sexually inappropriate. To financially support this broadcast, visit 11thHourDispatch.com or write to us at 11333 Bacchus Road, Lakeview, Michigan, 48850. Kids in America now log 53 hours of screen time per week. Yes, that's about eight hours per day. In Europe, it's literally against the law to air television programs on the public airwaves that are aimed at children under three years old. But America's littlest children now spend, on average, 32 hours per week watching TV. It's been estimated that the average child will spend more time watching TV by the age of six than conversing with his father in his entire life. At every church I speak at, folks say the same thing. Scott, why didn't anybody tell us this before? So, folks, grab a pencil and write this down. 
Media on the Brain. It's a six-DVD series that will arm you with the vital information on the undeniable effects of entertainment media and how to break free. Visit 11thHourDispatch.com. Use promo code RADIO for a reduced suggested donation rate. Wonderful, merciful Savior, precious Redeemer and friend, who would have thought that a lamb could rescue the souls of men? Oh, you rescue the souls of men. I want to begin with Rudolph Valentino. Where did they get the idea for his movie scripts from? Every night, Valentino's wife would hold a seance. They held a seance every night, calling forth help from the spirit world in her creative undertaking. Then, pencil and paper in hand, she would go into a trance and start writing. After her outpourings were typed up, they were brought to the set the next day and given to the director. So where did these early movies come from in the very early decades? Literally, they came from the demonic realm, channeling through Madame Valentino, writing the scripts. But she wasn't the only one. Mae West also received inspiration from psychic phenomenon. Her psychic recalls that she'd pace around the room, saying, forces, forces, come to me and help me write a script. She would begin to hear voices and images as the plot was revealed to her. She would lie in bed in a trance-like state, dictating as the spirits entered. Now we're going to talk more about this when we look at the music industry, but it is good to know how the devil works in the occult inspiration methods. When he inspires something like movie scripts, he literally dictates it. That's different from how the prophets of the Bible write their inspired works. We know that they write differently. If you read John versus Paul, they have different writing styles, right? God inspires the prophet with thoughts, visions, dreams, ideas, and the prophet writes it in their own manner. But the devil doesn't respect human autonomy like that. They literally are channeled. And in all of the master occult works of the 19th and 20th centuries, whether it's Madame Blavatsky or Aleister Crowley, who we're going to talk about in the next session, these are channeled works. Same thing with the movies. The movies were the master occult works of the 20th century, and we didn't even know it. Now, it wasn't just the old ones in the 20s and 30s, even Marilyn Monroe on to the 50s and 60s. What was her acting all about? Well, she was a very depressed person, actually, and she was known for entering into deep trances before each scene. Her psychic said the following about Marilyn Monroe. When she saw a camera, she lit up and was totally different. So she had a psychic... She was a very depressed person, would enter into a trance before each scene. Then she'd come out of the trance and be a totally different person. Now what is going on there? Let's take a look at some other individuals and we'll have a sense of what was happening with Marilyn Monroe. First, Lucille Ball, also in the 1950s, made famous show, I Love Lucy. And we look at that show and we say, oh, it was innocent and fun. It's just funny. It's no big deal. Well, notice this scene. They had a, a little seance scene, a little uh, spiritualist scene thrown into a, just a funny, light, innocent show. And so spiritualism is, is just no big deal, right? It's just, just for fun. It's a very big deal. You're messing with demonic things. Now, how did she make the decision to take this part and play Lucy in I Love Lucy? She had been an actor on the big screen. Why get demoted down to this TV show? 
Well, it was the spirit, so-called spirit of actress Carol Lombard, who guided Lucille Ball into taking a chance and accepting the offer to star in I Love Lucy. The glamorous comedian, who had died in an airplane crash in 1942, appeared to Lucy in 1951. Now, you know that this wasn't actually the spirit of Carol Lombard. The Bible condemns communicating with the dead. It's a demonic thing. So, just enough said on that. But because Lucille Ball accepted the spirit's urging to take a chance, honey, she made television history. So, the reason she decided to do this television show was because a demonic impersonation of a person who is dead instructed her on that. Let's look at some modern actors. Oprah Winfrey. She said, this is how I see acting. I use my body to be a carrier for the spirits of those who have come before me. She said, I tried to empty myself and let the spirit inhabit me. What spirit? The spirit of somebody who had gone before her. So in other words, the spirit of the dead. In other words, a demon spirit inhabiting me. Let the spirit inhabit me. I'm a carrier for those spirits, she, she, she said. Now, what do we call that in one word biblically? It starts with the letter P. That is possession. Is that what was happening also with Marilyn Monroe? Enter into a trance, come out, and she's a totally different person. Now, it's not just these two. We also see with Peter Sellers. He said, regarding acting, it's rather like being a medium and laying yourself wide open. Laying yourself wide, it sounds like Oprah Winfrey, empty myself. And saying, I want a character to inhabit my body. Or I want a character to take charge of me so that I can produce what I hope to produce. So we see a trend forming here. It's not just one actor. Peter Sellers said it too. I'm going to lay myself wide open. It's like I'm a medium and I have something else inhabit my body. Possession. Robin Williams actually used the word possession. He says there's also that thing. It is possession. And and we know he's talking about literal possession because look at the next sentence. In the old days, you'd be burned for it. And that's what they did burn people at the stake for in, the, in years past, was possession in the, in, in the Dark Ages. And even in America, they you know, kill witches and so on. So he's talking about actual spiritualism. In the old days, you'd be burned for it, but there's something empowering about it. It is Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, where you really can become this other force. It is possession, according to Robin Williams. Denzel Washington actually describes the process of how he became possessed to act a scene. And interestingly, this scene was shown uh, at a Christian school that I attended. And uh, it's the movie Glory, which is a historical film. It's very educational, very informative. You learn a lot about the Civil War from this film. Doesn't necessarily mean it is holy, because he describes how he acted this scene. Basically, what I did was got on my knees and sort of communicated with the spirits. And when I came out... I was in charge. Listen to these words. I couldn't have acted that. I couldn't have made a decision to play that part. So literally before the scene starts, he gets on his knees, communicates with the spirits. He says, when I came out, he says, I couldn't have acted that. So what's the implication? Somebody else was acting it through him, just like these other actors. Johnny Depp stated it very bluntly. He said, I know I have demons. Now, I pause right there and I go, well, he could mean something like issues from my past or problems in my life that I have to overcome. Well, the rest of the quote makes it clear that that's not what he means. He says, I'm 30 different people sometimes. I know I have demons. I had a student that said, oh, no, don't put Johnny Depp in your seminar. He's my favorite. 
We get attached to these people in Hollywood as if they're our friends. Same thing in the music industry. We've got to think critically. We've got to think objectively about what it is that we're viewing. In fact, you might say at this point, okay, I got you. I'm going to definitely stay away from Johnny Depp, Robin Williams, Denzel Washington, Oprah Winfrey, Marilyn Monroe, these other actors, because that's clearly dabbling in spiritualism if I am going to continue watching these actors, because I know that they are confirmed spiritualists. Well, we need to go a little further than that. Because if you look at the testimony of one insider, Feruza Balk, she was the star of the witchcraft movie, The Craft. And in an interview about witchcraft, she said the following, A lot of actors, um, who don't mention their names, of course, are very much into this. And I believe this is why Anton LaVey, the founder of the Church of Satan, stated that television is the satanic family altar. Television is the area of our culture, the movie industry, Hollywood, that's just saturated with spiritualism. It's the devil's playground. He's having a field day with American families in this area. And I can tell you personal testimonies. I can tell you a half dozen friends, just friends of mine, who've told me about things that they've seen, demonic things that they've seen because of having these movies and having this worldly stuff in their lives and in their homes. The Bible says... Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. So don't be afraid. There's no fear in love. Perfect love casts out all fear. But there's also a first part of that verse that we often don't quote with the rest of it. We say, we say resist the devil, and he will flee from you. This is from the book of James. But there is a sentence that comes before that that is a modifier. It's a prerequisite for having the power to resist the devil and him flee from us. And the statement goes, submit yourselves, therefore, to God. So when we are living in submission to God, we can claim the promise that we will be protected from all of this demonic garbage that's happening in this fallen world that we are in. So, what do you have in your area of media and entertainment that needs, needs to be rethought? I went through a thorough sifting and sorting a couple years ago when the Lord brought some of this knowledge to my attention. Had to ask myself some tough questions about what I was allowing into my life. But as we think about what we might do and not do, I want to close with an illustration. I want you to imagine, right here we have a buffet. I love going to buffets. My wife and I enjoy being able to just pick a little bit of a few different things and uh, enjoy a, a good church potluck. So imagine your favorite buffet of food is here and you've gone for many years to this buffet and you've always enjoyed the food at this buffet thinking that it was healthy and helpful and holy. But one day you go and you're about to put some things on your plate and somebody from the restaurant comes up and taps you on the shoulder and they say, hey, that item right there that you're putting on your plate, that's rat poison. It's got rat poison in it. You're going, what? And then he goes, yeah, that one and that one and that one too. You're not going to want to touch those. Those have rat poison in them. So you put those ones back. You're like, okay, well, there's rat poison in the buffet, but I'm a discerning Christian. I don't want to be one of those extreme people. I'm not a legalist. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to find something good at this buffet. So you're looking for something. And then somebody else taps you on the shoulder and they say, Hey, I know that that other guy from the restaurant told you that those six or so items were filled with rat poison. But actually, a lot of actors who don't mention their names, of course, are very much into this. 
you're going, a lot? Well, then I don't know who's safe and who's not. What do I do? What do you do? But you say, I'm going to try and stay at this buffet. Because I know, I know Hollywood has put out something good in the past. It's not all evil. So there's something good at this buffet. I'm going to find it. So you're about to grab something else. And somebody else taps you on the shoulder named Mark J. Ryan. Mark J. Ryan says, hey, I got to tell you something. I know what's going on in the kitchen. I'm an expert on the process of producing this food. All Hollywood studios, all of them, are using hypnotic methods to enter into your subconscious. The whole buffet is filled with rat poison. And then somebody else named Kevin Smith taps you on the shoulder and he says, every good filmmaker is whipping their message and morals at you. Every, everyone. At this point, you're kind of upset because you love this buffet, you grew up with this buffet, you know there may have been some decent things in the past and you don't want to be one of those people. But God, maybe God is calling you to be one of those people, but maybe not with the attitude that you've seen them have in the past. Maybe not a judgmental and legalistic attitude, but a a rational, spiritual, spirit-led decision to say, I don't need to stay at this buffet because I know it's not a safe place to be spiritually. I know that things are happening in my subconscious mind that I can't control. And so I'm going to go and find a different buffet. There are many, many different options that the Lord has given us. I've lived on both sides of this. And I can tell you there's way more joy, way more peace, way, way more identity and purpose in life when you say, I don't need to just live the life of entertainment. I don't need Hollywood in order to feel like I've got something interesting going on in my life. I'm on a mission to share the truth of God's character, to share the three angels' messages of Revelation 14, to share the everlasting gospel. My favorite things that I like to talk about isn't the latest movie. It's, it's, it's what are we doing as a people in these last days. 